It was uh, probably about a decade or so ago that the WWJD became popular. What would Jesus do? Well, just remember when you ask that question, sometimes flipping tables and cleaning house is an answer. Obviously, our Lord had a good reason to do this. As the, the, the gospel quotes Psalm 69, zeal for your house will consume me. Our Lord had great zeal for the temple because he knew that it was the dwelling place of our Heavenly Father here on earth. It was the place where the Jews went to worship his Father and our Father. And so he had great zeal that the sanctity of the house be protected and that it be a place of prayer. When we see this story, obviously, the takeaway from it shouldn't be that we need to you know, overturn tables. The takeaway from it is, what are we zealous about? What are we so zealous about that we are willing to even give our very lives to protect it? What are we so zealous about that nothing can keep us from it? Nothing can keep our Lord from the temple. What do we have that we are zealous about? And for some of us, it might be our family. It might be those, you know, being with those that we're close to, being our friends, our families, and nothing is going to keep us. We want to spend every moment we can with them. For some of us, maybe it's a job, maybe it's some hobby, something we do for fun. I've known people that golf is almost a religion for them. They spend more time on the golf course than they do at work, and when they're at work, they're thinking about golfing. I've known people like, a few people like that. Uh, there's one guy in particular in, when I was in Malta. The golf course was open on January 1st, so he made sure he started out his year right, golfing. Uh, but it was, you know, it's just, we have things in our lives that we are zealous about. Things in our lives, we just, we would, like I said, be willing to give our lives for. Nothing is going to stop us from doing it. We're willing to tell anybody and everybody about it. Now, the question with this, then, is, is the spiritual life something we're zealous about? Is the spiritual life something that we are willing to give our life for? Is the spiritual life something that we are dedicating ourselves, our time to, our energy to? Is the spiritual life something that we are willing to talk to others about? And I would argue that most people today don't have a zeal for the spiritual life. Now, we'll come to Mass, we might pray, but it's, it's almost like just we do it out of a sense of obligation, out of a sense that's what we have to do. It's not something we want to do, it's not something we look forward to. And some, some of us, we might even consider the idea of being zealous for the spiritual life foolish. That it's not something that we should put our life into, our effort into. It's one of those things we do, but it's not something that we consider the greatest thing ever to do. We'd be like the Gentiles in the, the second reading who saw the worldly things as wise. And we might consider the spiritual, the reason why we might not be zealous for the spiritual life is we consider it boring. You know, there's, there's, I remember when I was much younger, <laughs> well before I was even thought of being a priest, Mass was boring. Oh, I don't want to go to Mass. I would rather go and do anything 
homework over mass. And there might be some, some of you might still feel that way. I get it. There, there are days when I, I wake up in the morning and say, I really don't want to go over to the church and celebrate mass. We're all there. We all have those times. We just don't, at that time in our life, we don't have an attraction to the spiritual life. It's not drawing us in the way we think it should. Or there are those who might say that the spiritual life is out of touch. You know, okay, 2,000 years ago, when we were much more primitive as a human race, we didn't need, you know, we needed some God to explain the world around us and have that connection. But you know, now, of course, that we know all these things about the universe and nature and how the world is created and everything, we don't need a God. You'll hear these modern atheists say stuff like that. Well, it's all just superstition because they didn't have the answer of what was beyond the atmosphere. You know, they thought the earth was flat, although people 3,000 years ago understood that the world was round. But still, you know, all these things, it's just, it's out of touch with our modern sensibilities. And let's not get into the teachings of the church that just isn't keeping with the current day and age. You hear stuff like that. On kind of a different side, someone might say, well, I understand the importance of the spiritual life, but it's too demanding. It's asking too much from me. You know, I can't make it to Mass all the time because I've got all these other things I've got going on. And I can't take a Sunday off because I've got all this work I need to do. And, and, and. It demands too much from me. I'd rather, I'm just, I would rather stay where I am than have to try to figure all that out in addition to my, my daily life. Well, I think one of the most dangerous positions is when we say that the spiritual life isn't for me. It might work just fine for you. It might be something that's good for you, but I'm okay where I am. I'm a good person. I don't need to work on my spiritual life. And it's a complacency. You know, we're complacent with who we are, and we don't recognize the need to change, to grow in the spiritual life. And these are just a few excuses I came up with. I'm sure you've heard others as well. You know, there's many excuses why we don't practice the spiritual life like we should, as there are people who are giving those excuses. But then in answer to this, we hear the second reading, which says, For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. The world views the spiritual life as foolish. It's a foolish thing. You know, they have the wisdom. The scientists have the wisdom. The politicians have the wisdom. Of course, that's definitely never true. doesn't matter whether you agree with the world or not. And so on and so on. The wisdom is out there. God's ways are foolish. Why would you follow his teachings? That's just foolish. By human standards, it's true. By human standards, it's true. But we're not to judge by human standards. We're to judge by the standards of God. Because the wisdom of God is the one that leads to salvation. The world can't promise that. But God can. And if we, when we follow the wisdom of God, it gets us in touch, again, going back to the second reading, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. When we follow Christ, we will find true wisdom that the world does not know and cannot know. 
on its own. Ultimately, I think one of the big issues with the spiritual life, the reason why so few people really dedicate themselves to it, is because it's misunderstood of what the spiritual life is about. The spiritual life is not merely emotional. It's not merely emotionalism. It's not merely a, a happy, content feeling you get when you're in the presence of our Lord. Now, that might be a consolation that God gives you. That might be a grace that God gives you, is that when you are in his presence, you feel this sense of warmth, of the Holy Spirit coming down upon you, however you want to describe it. But that's not the spiritual life. That's just a consolation that God gives us, a gift that God gives us when we occasionally when we practice the spiritual life. And the spiritual life isn't just doing the right things, checking off the right items that we need to do in our daily lives. I was a good person, and I loved my neighbor, and I loved God, and I prayed, and we do the checklist for the day. No, the spiritual life isn't that either. The spiritual life is ultimately uniting ourselves to God. It's seeking that perfect union. It's seeking to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. It's seeking to give of ourselves back to God. It's a recognition that our lives, our very existence, the fact that we even exist at all, is a gift from God. And so we desire to give that back to Him. That is what the spiritual life is about. It is about uniting ourselves to God and connecting with Him and giving ourselves to Him. Loving him as we are commanded to do. We have these, these teachings, these commandments which have been given to us by God. First, as, you know, as we see in the Old Covenant to Moses, and then by our Lord in the New Covenant. And of course, the first reading is the Ten Commandments. Those, by the way, Ten Commandments, not Ten Suggestions. I know, it's an old joke. Uh, but it's commandments from God. And we look at it and say, oh, these are, these are just rules. God is giving us rules. And, and the church is making up all these rules by its teachings. And that's not what they are. They are guidance for us. God has given us these commandments, these teachings to say, if you want to follow me, here's how you do it. It's the path that we need to follow. It's the instructions that we need to live the best that we can, to live for God, to live for our neighbor, to live the spiritual life. You know, and we could go through all these commandments, you can go through each one of them, and much has been written about them, deeply, deep, beautiful reflections on each of these commandments. But, you know, there, there's some of these that I think we need to be reminded of, especially. You know, one of them, of course, is you shall have, you shall not have other gods besides me. Now, we might say in our day and age, but we don't worship gods. We don't worship Baal. We don't worship Zeus. We don't worship Thor. So we don't have these false gods like they used to have in the Pantheon. But we can make false gods of the things of the world. 
We can make the things of the world, we can make others a false god. You know, they're, they're, this kind of goes back to that passage about, you know, you cannot love God and mammon, love God and money. You know, the love of money is the root of all evil. These passages where money can become a false god for us. The esteem of the world can become a false god for us. Other people can become false gods for us. Anything we allow to come between us and God is a false god in our lives. And we need to get that out of the way. Get anything out of our way that keeps us from God. Another one, a big one, keep holy the Sabbath day. Keep holy the holy day. And of course, as Christians, our, our Sabbath is Sunday, the day that our Lord has given us for this. Easter Sunday. Sunday is our holy day. And this is why it's so important to come to Mass on Sunday, not because the church says so. It's always, you know, the church says you have to go to Mass. Well, yes, the church does, because that's how we keep holy the Sabbath day, is to come here and worship God. But it's funny, the one that sticks more is not so much the coming to Mass, it's the not working on the Sabbath. Especially in rural areas, this is a big one about, no, when it says you don't work on the Sundays, read the passage. It even says your animals don't work on Sunday. Your servants don't work on Sunday. Nobody works on Sunday. Not a person. And, you know, remember, this is coming from an agrarian culture. This wasn't coming from the city of Rome a lot of our Lord's parables, a lot of the teachings in the Bible come from an agricultural position. And it still says, don't work on Sunday. And it doesn't give any exceptions. But of course, work is also menial tasks. Laundry probably should be done on Saturday, not Sunday. Things like that. I mean, it sounds silly. Laundry is so easy. You throw it in the washer, you throw it in the dryer, you're done. But it's still work. And again, you know, this is, you can go through all these commandments and find things like this where we need, if we're going to take the spiritual life seriously, we need to take these commandments not just at face value, but go deeper with them. Seek to follow them in a deeper way. And that's, that's the important part of this spiritual journey that we need to do. And this also does seem foolish to the world. It seems foolish to have these commandments and say, wait, you can't work on Sunday? Well, that's silly. Why? It's just another day. Another day of the week. Why couldn't you work? It might even seem foolish to some sitting here. Some of you may say, yeah, Father Corey, you're pretty foolish. I am, but some might feel that way. But it would be better to be foolish in the eyes of the world and wise in the eyes of God than to be foolish in the eyes of God and wise in the ways of the world.